0: Hey everyone, it's great to be with you today for another episode of the In Focus Podcast, taking a fresh look at the Bible and some big Christian ideas, how they bring our world into focus and empower us to live a new, more eternal kind of life within it. I'm your host, Justin Laughlin, husband, dad, pastor, adjunct professor, and most importantly, follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. In many corners of the American Church today, women and the church and leadership and in ministry is a hot topic. It's a big idea and it's currently a hot topic in my own tribe, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and one about which we are in active conversation. Now, my own bias in this conversation and really everything else, uh, the position for which I am a strong and unapologetic advocate is a deference to scripture as the authoritative voice on all things regarding life, faith, and church. The harder to discern and the more contentious a matter might be, I think the more diligently, prayerfully, and thoughtfully we need to look to Scripture. Now, women in the church and in leadership and ministry, uh, these are all such issues. Contentious and requiring diligence, prayerfulness, and thoughtfulness as we go to the Scripture determined to hear what it says and to submit ourselves to Scripture's authority without having to compromise what it teaches at any given point. This holds true for every episode of this series, the same philosophy I just expounded on, as we approach various passages that speak to the issues at hand in the context of Scripture as a whole. But the bottom line uh, worth distinguishing is that this series is not a series on systematic theology. It's not a series on historic or contemporary ecclesiology. It's a series on the biblical considerations surrounding women and ministry. In the first episode of the series, we looked at the origin story of creation and God's design for humanity and the origin of the gender hierarchy problem with which we are all too familiar, whether it be in the family and the workplace and society at large or in the church. Two quick observations from Genesis 1 through 3 emerged and should continue to frame our thinking on gender hierarchy. First, humanity was created male and female in a scenario of mutuality. It was together that male and female reflected the image of God, according to Genesis 1. And though we may be tempted to undermine the role of women because of the word helper used of Eve that appears in Genesis 2, we learned that helper is a word used about 87% of the time in the Old Testament for God. Therefore, it clearly does not and cannot convey an underlying sense of subjugation or diminishment of women in relationship to men, any more than we would dare say it conveys a sense of subjugation or diminishment of God in relationship to men. If anything, Uh, the designation of women as helpers points towards the opposite argument that they hold a godlike relationship with men, which I'm not necessarily advocating for that. I'm just saying if we're going to miss, the more logical and consistent miss is for an elevated place because the same word used of Eve is most commonly used of God. Second, gender hierarchy Women wanting to dominate men and men dominating women instead was the curse that was put on humanity after the fall. Now, all Christians believe that Jesus obviously breaks the curse and frees us from the curse. So, to define orthodoxy and orthopraxy in the church along the lines of gender hierarchy is to define ourselves, according to Genesis 3, as a cursed people rather than as a redeemed people. So, while some people argue that the softening of the historical practice of gender hierarchy is a compromise of scriptural norms, that leads to the codification of all sorts of sin, and I should probably add here specifically that what many conservative evangelicals have in mind is the ordination of unrepentant homosexuals. I would actually argue the opposite. The subjugation of women in the church is a manifestation of the exact same practice that we are so bothered by and that we so detest in others, namely, the picking and choosing of scriptural norms according to our own liking and preferences. So, that all brings us to episode two, a second round of biblical considerations surrounding women in the church, women in church leadership, and women in ministry. Today's episode focuses on two important issues that are just under the surface of the contention about women in the church and leadership and ministry. And as we bring these underlying issues into focus, my hope is that we would then be ready to proceed in the much-needed conversation with caution, with humility, with grace, and even contrition that God will be able to meet us in the midst of the contention and conflict and draw us together in unity, almost despite whatever conclusions are ultimately reached at a denominational level. So, to be clear, uh, what's at stake in this whole conversation is who gets which positions and which titles in the church. That's the underlying argument. That's where where things really come to a head. It's about who gets to be in charge. It's the age-old argument that the disciples were obsessed with from day one, Who is the greatest? And as we argue about this in our modern context in which we must specify roles, even for legal, organizational bylaws, and tax-exempt statuses, this argument about greatness is directly connected to a second first century obsession that Jesus also addresses, and that's titling. Namely, who gets what titles that formally recognize the greatness in question, which again was an obsession from the disciples and the Pharisees and other religious leaders from the very beginning. And of course, all of this Jesus addresses repeatedly. Now, we're in a situation where we have to have this conversation, but again, we should be exceedingly humble, graceful, and contrite. Understanding that the situation we've gotten ourselves into, by definition, is one that we have created and not God. Jesus said explicitly not to use titles, and we insisted upon them, and now we have a mess on our hands. And Jesus similarly redefined greatness as humility and servanthood and submission. Of course, again, we insisted upon worldly expressions of position and power and authority. And of course, again, we have a mess on our hands. So, it's a mess that Jesus didn't want or intend for us to be dealing with in the first place, but it is a mess that we've made and a mess that we must now deal with. So, I've managed there uh, to jump ahead to some conclusions. Uh, now that you have a sneak preview of where we're headed, let's back up and walk through uh, some scriptures before proceeding any further. Today, we are going to look at a short passage first in Luke 22, uh, but there are also additional similar arguments to the one we're going to read in Matthew 18, Mark 9, and Luke 9, just to name a couple. So, Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 24, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And Jesus said to the disciples, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves for who is the one who greater who is the one greater one who reclines at the table or the one who serves is it not the one who reclines at the table but i am among you as the one who serves so again we're probably all familiar with these instances and there are numerous examples of them found in the Gospels, but let's pause for a second and be brutally honest with ourselves. Who of us hasn't read any of these well-known arguments among the disciples about who was the greatest and wondered how they could be so foolish as to get caught up in this over and over again? How could these guys that are loving Jesus, following Jesus, seeing everything that they're seeing, participating in Jesus' amazing ministry, be so slow grasping what Jesus was all about? How, maybe when we're really honest, we wonder, how stubborn and dense must these guys have been? It's like reading through the Old Testament with Israel's constant turning away from God and the religious leaders of Jesus' day constantly rejecting him. It's just unfathomable. But what we see in all this, probably, is that the fallenness of humanity and the depravity of our thinking is relentless. It reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend just yesterday about how difficult it is to let our minds and bodies be a living sacrifice to God that Paul uh, commends us to be in Romans 12. It's, but no sooner than we climb onto the altar, because we're still alive, we find ourselves slithering right back off again. But, but anyway, greatness, uh, the disciples and followers of Jesus arguing about who is the greatest – the disciples repeatedly set the precedent for us from day one, and we're still repeatedly having the same arguments now thousands of years later. And it seems like we can put whatever stickers we want on this issue, and we can try to reframe the issue in more acceptable terms, but at the end of the day, we're back at square one. We're in a spot now, again, as I said, where we do have to have this discussion and we have to work some things out. I'm not suggesting that we don't. What I am suggesting is that we should be exceedingly humble, contrite, and gracious because it's only our fallen obsession with who's greater than who in the name of Jesus that has brought us to this point. Now, we are the disciples off on the side of the road having the same old argument we've probably all read about and shaken our heads in disapproval. How much more so when we try to have the argument and bend it into sanctimonious terms as if somehow we are glorifying the Lord and King who forever told us that this whole argument is just bad thinking in the first place. So, let's not, let's not uh, fool ourselves into thinking that we're being just or righteous or noble for having the conversation. Let's be humble and contrite as we work out the mess that we've made. Okay, second, the peripheral issue, which is also embarrassingly important to us, who gets the titles? Again, uh, fortunately, this was a f- concerned back in Jesus' day, and he was kind enough to address it for us in Matthew chapter 23. In this chapter, Jesus and the disciples have just encountered the religious leaders who love their official positions, who love to be recognized in their official positions, who love to speak in their official capacities, who love the authority that they have been given by men, and who love their respective titles that formally ascribe to them everything else they love before the masses of people who are, uh, of course, just normal folks without the titles, the authority, the position, uh, blah, 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 blah. So, for all these religious leaders well-versed in scripture, there's also no doubt uh, that they felt that their system of position and titling was honoring to God, and probably they felt it was a necessary safeguarding of God's holiness and rightness among His people. And really, there's no doubt because that's exactly the concern that they voiced when Jesus came around undoing the religious system. So, they had the same intention, that we have today in guarding the sanctity of things and in safeguarding holiness and ecclesiology and um, on and on. But um, regardless of the intention, we come to this response of Jesus uh, to those who were insistent on order and recognition and titles among religious leaders. uh, This is what Jesus had to say. But you to his disciples, are not to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers and sisters. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So, The matters at hand regarding women in church, women in leadership, women in ministry, the matters of greatness, authority, positions, and titles have been relentless obsessions of religious leaders and even followers of Jesus since the beginning. And on these matters, Jesus has spoken in ways that should challenge us deeply as we continue the same old conversation. They should challenge us deeply uh, whether we are inclined to argue for the hierarchical greatness and titling for men only, and they should challenge us if we are inclined to argue for the greatness and titling of women. The same as greed affects rich and poor alike, so we must all guard our hearts against the pursuit and prioritization of greatness and titles." Now, this is not the only issue at stake by any stretch, and I'm certainly not intending um, to paint that picture. The matters of love, of humility, of Christ-like character, of ministry, of mission, of honoring the Holy Spirit in all God's people, just to name a few, are also at stake, and these are also very pointed, very important issues. Now, categorically, undercutting the ministry leadership and giftings of what statistically amounts to much more than half of the body of Christ in order to define ourselves within what Genesis 3 defines as a cursed state, defying the practice of the early church in the New Testament in which women were disciples, teachers, missionaries, prophets, deacons, apostles, and pastors especially when there are literally billions of people in the world not following Jesus. Now, that just brings up all sorts of strong thoughts and emotions. Actually, it did for Paul too. Uh, We will get to that in the next episode. Uh, But back to greatness and titles to close this one out. In my own tribe, the Christian Missionary Alliance, who uh, I love it's just a fantastic place to be. I'm a strong advocate. If you have any questions about that, please reach out and let's do this together. But people have already left the family because greatness and titles have not been shared equally among people. People have also left the family on the opposite side because we're even having a conversation about whether to share greatness and titles equally. So, I think we've lost in every case. We are deciding when we do that to fracture the body of Christ in the name of Christ for things that Jesus Christ said for us to do away with from the very beginning. Ascribing greatness and giving titles, you might say, on Jesus' teaching, is inherently anti-Christ. So we just have to be extremely cautious in how we proceed in in the name of Jesus. So, again, may we proceed in this much-needed conversation. Again, it has to be had. We need to have it. We need to work some things out, but let us do it with appropriate humility, contrition, and grace. May we have a renewed mind on all these matters. May we, by the grace of God, find a way to honor our Lord Jesus, who called us out of all this in the first place, to be a different kind of people than the world around us in all the ways that we think and live and certainly in the ways we structure the church versus every other organization around us. May we be a peculiar and holy people that Jesus created us to be, lights in a dark world reflecting the glory of our God, the foretaste of a kingdom kind of people to come who are already living in anticipation and submission to our King, anticipation of His return, and the renewal of His whole creation. Alright, thanks for checking out today's episode. I hope that it has helped bring your world into a little better focus and empowered you to live a more eternal kind of life within it. If you're streaming today's episode from a podcast provider like Apple, Google, Spotify, or anybody else, it'd be great if you take a second to give it a good rating or review perhaps you'd even like to become a subscriber. The show is new and quite small, so your response will help it become easier for new listeners to find in the future. If you'd like, you can also share this episode directly with your friends on social media. A link is provided in the show notes to do just that. If you'd like to hear about anything specific from the Bible or a particular big Christian idea in the future, please email me using the address that's also included in the show notes. I would also welcome any feedback or ideas on how to improve the show. Till next time as we continue this series on the biblical considerations surrounding women in the church, in leadership, and in ministry, thanks for being a friend of the show and for tuning in to In Focus. May your world continue coming into clearer focus. And may God lead you into an increasingly eternal kind of life before him.